But when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive all of the Holy Spirit that you're going to get. It's not, I want more of the Spirit, but when we see the Spirit of God for who He is and how wonderful and gentle and loving He is, we will begin to respond, how can I give more of myself to Him? A few weeks ago, we started a a series on Uh, looking at the importance of the person, looking at the importance, we finished up the life of Christ and Christ ascended to the Father and when he went to the Father, he prayed to the Holy Father, Heavenly Father, he prayed to his Father that he would send the Comforter, that he would send the Holy Spirit and of course the Holy Spirit came down upon the day of Pentecost and we kind of shuffled and talked about that a little bit and so what we've been doing is talking about the importance of the person and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, a lot of times we emphasize and we talk about Jesus. And listen, without Jesus, you can't be saved. Without Jesus, you can't go to heaven. Uh, you can't have salvation apart from Jesus. It is Jesus who died for your sins. It is Jesus who shed his blood on the cross for your sins to be uh, forgiven, to be washed away, uh, to be remembered no more. And so you, you, Jesus is essential. He is important. He is a must. You must have Jesus. But then Jesus went back and prayed to the Father. He told his disciples, wait, 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 wait until in Jerusalem until you receive the gift of the Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we've been talking about this person of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and the reason, the reason for talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit is perhaps you may have never been taught about the person of the Holy Spirit. And so it is my desire to clarify not only the importance of the Holy Spirit to you and I, but the importance or the purpose for God sending His Holy Spirit to you and to all of us. And so the Father gives us the Holy Spirit Uh, to become more like Jesus. In other words, apart from the Holy Spirit, you can't be like Jesus. You can't. And if you're trying to be like Jesus, uh, you'll never be like Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers you or enables you to become more like Jesus. And that's what we want to be. We want to be more like Jesus. And, and we shared about how that uh, someone who sees God's Spirit as an influence or as a power, supreme power, they constantly say, I want more, I want more, I want more of the Spirit. Well, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got all the Spirit that you're going to get. Now, I know that kind of goes against some of our teachings or some of our way we were taught or whatever. But when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive all of the Holy Spirit that you're going to get. When we, and listen to what I'm saying. It's not, I want more of the Spirit, but when we see the Spirit of God for who He is and how wonderful and gentle and loving He is, we will begin to respond, how can I give more of myself to Him? How can I give more of myself to the Holy Spirit? I've 
got the Holy Spirit. He is within me. He lives in me. But how can I yield? How can I surrender? How can I give more of myself to the Holy Spirit? And we also looked at some of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit and how that the Holy Spirit is never possessive. This is important. He is never possessive. He only empowers and controls what we surrender to Him. This is important. He only empowers and controls what we surrender to Him. He will not possess you. He will not control you. He will only empower and control that which you surrender to Him. I've heard people say, well, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit. I don't know about that Holy Spirit. I, I don't know about Him. You know, He, he kind of does strange things, you know. He, he makes people talk in strange tongues. And uh, I'm not sure I want any part of that. Well, listen, He's not going to make you do that. He's only going to do that as you allow Him to. Okay, and, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. In fact, that's what the, this part's going to be. And so we began to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, taking from 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 11. And we begin to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healings, the gift of miracles. We begin to talk about the gift of prophecy, and we're not talking about foretelling. We're talking about foretelling, declaring, declaring the goodness and wonder wonders of God, and we talked about the gift of discernment, the gift of discernment, or the gift of distinguishing spirits, so that you and I would be able to navigate through life and recognize what is real and what is not, what is good and what is not, what is of God and what is not of God. You need that gift operating in your life so you can navigate uh, through life. Well, this morning, I want us to look right quick right quick, to the last two gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Uh, and in verse uh, 10, uh, I believe it is, in verse 10. And, and, and this is the one that kind of uh, freaks us out sometimes and scares us and we wonder about it and we question. And so I really want to do some teaching this morning that will clarify any misunderstandings. Now, uh, you may have been, and if you're like me, I was raised in a Pentecostal church, and you know, so I'm used to people kind of getting emotional and, and getting loud and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I've been to services, you know, you know where people just, uh, just all kinds of different people just start speaking in tongues. Now, you know, that doesn't bother me, it doesn't scare me, I'm not, you know, but I'm just going to tell you something. What I'm going to share with you today is so important. It's so important for you to understand about tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Notice what he said in verse 10. He said in the last part, he said, To another, speaking in different tongues. Now, if you're not, you know, you may have been raised in a different background. And it, listen, I, this, just listen. Don't be afraid. I'm not fixing to do some kind of magical spell on you or anything like that. And you're going to leave you know, I'm not going to do that, and God is not even going to do that. But I want you to listen to what the Word of God says. That there is a gift, there is a gift of the Spirit, he says, he said, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kind speaking, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. And then he says in verse 11, 
All these, talking about the gifts, all these gifts, all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. Now get that. It's the work of the one and the same Spirit. And He gives them, who gives them? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives them to each one. Who is each one? You and I. The Holy Spirit gives these gifts to each one, to you, to me, to all of us. I don't have, you know, a special connection with God that, you know, that the gifts just operate through me. The gifts operate through each one. Listen to the last verse. Just as he determines. As who determines? The Spirit. Not you. Just as the Spirit determines, He operates, He manifests each one as He chooses. Now, each one, every person in this congregation can be used of God to manifest a gift. In fact, every gift could be manifested through you. Every gift could be manifested through you. At any given moment, at a given time, as the Holy Spirit determines. You don't control it. He controls them. And they work through you as He chooses, okay? As He chooses. Now, let's talk about this gift of tongues. Tongues and interpretation. Now, this is one of these areas that I believe is often misunderstood in Christianity. Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke while he was on the earth. Jesus spoke in Mark, the 16th chapter, verse 17 and 18. And I want you to hear this. Before he ascended back to the heavenly father, he spoke these words. And these signs, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Get that. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. Now listen, this has been misinterpreted. That doesn't mean you're to go around snake hunting and looking for snakes. And I don't look for snakes. And when I see one, I got a nine millimeter that takes care of it. I mean, there are churches you go into and they literally handle snakes. I've never been to one, but if I go to one and I find out they handle snakes there and they bring out the snakes, I'm going to find the back door. And if there's not a back door, I'm going to make a back door. I just, I'm going to tell you like it is. I, I, I ain't into snakes. I am not into handling snakes. And this has been taken out of context. In other words, as a Christian, as a Christian, there may be times in your life that you will be attacked. That you will be endangered. And the Bible, and Jesus is saying, listen, there's going to be, you got to remember the time. Snakes were bad in this part of the country. They were very dangerous. They were very poisonous. And when you're out sharing the gospel, you're, you're going to face some dangers. But Jesus is saying, listen, don't worry about the dangers. Don't worry about the snakes. Don't worry about, uh, uh, don't worry about the people that have snakes in their heads. You shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Don't worry about them. And, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. 
In fact, if you study the life of Paul, you'll find that Paul was on a missionary trip and the boat had been, uh, um, what do you call it? Capsized. The, uh, the boat had been capsized and they had come to a place on an island and, uh, and there were some natives at that island and Paul was gathering wood. He was gathering firewood for a fire because they were cold and wet and everything. He was gathering wood for fire. And as he reached down into the, uh, to the wood to get the wood, uh, a viper came out and bit him on the hand. Now, now Paul was their prisoner. Remember, Paul was their prisoner. And literally bit him on the hand. And the natives of that land said, uh-oh. The storm didn't get him, but God got him. God's got him. God's got his number, and he's going to die. Very poisonous viper. And the natives kept watching and watching and watching. And all of a sudden, they realized it didn't hurt him. It didn't affect him. Well, he must be some god. And, of course, it opened the door for Paul to begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he wasn't a God, that he was a person just like them, but that it was the power of God working within him that kept him from being overtaken or killed by this viper. And so understand the context of the scripture, you know. Don't go around tempting God and handling snakes. And notice what he says, they will place they will place their hands on, the, on sick people, and they will get well. So let's go back. And I don't know about you, but I, I long for the Holy Spirit to use me. I do. I want the Holy Spirit to use me. That if someone is sick in body, I want the Holy Spirit to use me. That if I lay hands on them, and listen, come here, Cam. Okay, see, I'm leaving her today, taking the kids. Now, when you lay hands on people, don't, oh, see, she don't mess, don't mess her hair up. Now, I'm just going to tell you, God doesn't need you to grab somebody by the head and begin to shake them, to shake the devil out of them. See, I'm the only one I can do that. Yes, right. Or Kelly. No. God doesn't need you to do that. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, now lay your hands on them and yell at them, scream at them, shake them to death. Nowhere. Because if someone walks in and I'm laying hands on Angela and I'm, or Angel, I'm sorry, shaking her to death, they're going to think, what kind of church is this? I'm going to make a beeline for the back door. I'm going out the same way I came in. If they're unbelievers. And they've never been around anything like that. They're thinking, what kind of church is it? Listen, if you want to, when somebody is doing that, and I'm just going to be honest with you, when someone is doing that, that's flesh. Okay? Now, I know some of you are looking at me kind of funny and stuff, but that's flesh. I long to be a vessel where the Holy Spirit can operate through me that if someone is sick, I can lay hands on them properly, properly lay hands on them, maybe just touch them on their shoulders, maybe just hold their hand or grab their arm or, or something, lay hands on them properly and pray for them and they will be healed. Now, I'm sharing all this because I really want you 
to, to, to understand. I want this to be a church where the Holy Spirit is free to manifest himself. Free to manifest himself through any one of you at any given time, at any moment. But it is always done without confusion and chaos. It's always done in an orderly manner. Reef, 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. We'll talk about it in just a minute. So we're going to talk about tongues for just a moment. Concerning tongues, now I want you to know there are two different categories. There is what is known as the private expressions, private expressions of tongues, and two public. There's two private expressions of tongues and two public to public expressions of tongues. And there are four distinct reasons that God uses tongues. Let me give you. Number one, you might want to write this down. The first one I'm going to talk about is public. When there is a public display of tongues. It is found in Acts, the second chapter. Acts, the second chapter. If you want to turn right quick with, with me there. Acts, the second chapter. And you, you, you start, it talks about the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all together in one place, talking about the disciples. The disciples were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, now get this, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. All of them were filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, let me clarify something here. You do not, and some of you, some of you are going to disagree with me, but it's okay, because I want you to ponder them. I want you to think on them. I want you to pray about it. I want you to study the Word. Some may think that in order to have the Holy Spirit, you have to speak in tongues. That is not scriptural. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to speak in tongues to have the Holy Spirit or to be the evidence of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit can manifest himself in more than one way, just in tongues. Okay, now I'm just going to let you think about that, and we'll get back to that. Just, just don't, don't turn me off. Just listen. And so in Acts, the second chapter, verse 4, it says, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now notice, now there, now there were stayed in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound... You see, why doesn't God blow like a mighty wind now? I, I can't tell you why God doesn't do that now. He can if he wants to. But when he blew, when the Holy Spirit came down upon them, and with the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and tongues of fire came upon them and split, you know, and went upon each of them. Notice what happened. Uh, that now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound... The sound of what? 
The sound of the wind. When they heard this sound, and all of a sudden, every 120 of them speaking in tongues. Now follow me. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because, now get this, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. 120 people that day in the upper room, and all 120 of them were filled with the Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues, in other languages. Other languages. Why were there so many languages being spoken on that day? Because there were so many dialects, so many people from around the world in Jerusalem on this particular day. And all of a sudden when the sound came, they were astonished. They were got, it got their attention. And when it got their attention, they heard them. They heard the 120 on that day begin to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ in their dialect, in their language. Oh, this is good. <laughs> Utterly amazed, they ask, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? You see, sometimes there is a public, public expression of tongues, and when that happens or when that takes place, it is to share the gospel to unbelievers. Those in the upper room already knew the gospel. They already had a relationship with Jesus. They were filled with the Spirit. God was about communicating the gospel to all the unbelievers. And all of a sudden, something happened miraculously, powerfully, supernatural. And all of them began to speak in other tongues, in other language, and began to declare the wonders of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you ask the question, does that happen today? Yes, it does. It happens. In fact, I, I was listening to a pastor one time, and he was sharing about they were on a mission trip. They were on a mission trip, and they were in a Buddhist country. And, and, and a lady, one of the ladies, felt impressed to go up to the entrance of the temple, of the Buddhist temple. Felt impressed to go up to the entrance of, of, of the thing, and just begin to pray. And so she was led by the Spirit... She submitted, she surrendered, and she went to the entrance, didn't go inside, just went to the entrance of the temple, and she just began to pray for the people that were going in and out of the building. And all of a sudden, she just began to speak in tongues. She began to speak in their dialect. She, began to, she did not know the Indian language. She did not know the dialect. But all of a sudden, she began to speak in tongues. And a lady stopped and said, began to listen to what she said. 
And she told the lady in the language, her language, she said, you are speaking, you are speaking my language, and you're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're sharing the good news about who Jesus is, what Jesus was all about. You're sharing the good news. And she couldn't understand. And so she got someone to, to, to come in and begin to interpret for her. From the Indian lady back to the, to the other lady. And all of a sudden, this woman who didn't know the language began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that were coming in and going out of the Buddhist temple. And she had no idea what she was sharing. And all of a sudden, they heard the gospel message in their own dialect, in their own language. It happens today. And if we will learn what this is all about and not be afraid god may just choose to use you in fact there was one we had a ladies conference and i believe the ladies conference i can't remember exactly where it was i want to say it was in uganda in africa we had a ladies conference going on in uganda and there was a lady that came from a a a neighboring nation from South Africa, came to this conference, and she did not know that dialect. She did not know the language. But she said in the conference, and there was a lady that stood up and began to speak a message in tongues. And she had no idea what she was seeing or what she was saying. But the lady that was from the other nation began to listen intently. Because all of a sudden, she was hearing her dialect, she was hearing her language, and she was hearing the message of Jesus Christ through a person that had no idea what they were saying. So sometimes when God uses tongues, he uses them to share the gospel to unbelievers in a way where you can't communicate. It happens. It happens today. So it's a public expression to share the gospel. Second of all, we find it is also a public expression to strengthen fellow believers. Now follow me. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. The 14th chapter. Now follow me. In fact, if you read, we'll start at verse 1. We got, because you got to get it. I didn't know I was going to do all this. And, and I, I got to go back to chapter 12. Good gracious. I don't have time for all. God help me. Notice he goes through, in chapter 12, he goes through the, the spiritual gifts, 1 through 11. He goes through the spiritual gifts. And in chapter, uh, verse 12, uh, he, he begins to talk about how the, that we are one body, many parts. And we'll get into that later. And, and then he says in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ. And he goes back and talks about some more of the gifts there. And then he said, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then he says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. Now, He's talked about all the gifts, and then Paul says, now I want to show you the most excellent way. And then he goes into the chapter of love. Do you know the greatest way to express the work of the Spirit in your life is not you speaking in tongues. It's not you do you doing gifts of healing or gifts of healing be operated through you. The greatest gift or the greatest manifestation of the Spirit working and living in your life is love. Love. Because, you see, the, 
the enemy cannot, that's the only thing the enemy cannot duplicate. The enemy cannot love. Satan cannot love you. He cannot love people. He seeks to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God is the only one that can love. And so you really want to know an expression of the Spirit of God working in your life is love. This is important. And so he goes, talks about love. And then in chapter 14, he says, now follow the way of love. Church, follow the way of love. And eagerly, notice this, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. We talked about that. And then he says, for, and we're going to skip down to verse 4, or verse 5, if I can find it. I would, verse 5, I believe it's, maybe it's 4, let me go back. Yeah, verse 5. I would like every one of you, I would like for every one of you to speak in tongues. Now that's Paul saying that. I want every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. He who prophesy is greater than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may be edified or strengthened. Now, the second part of speaking in tongues is the public support is to strengthen fellow believers. The Holy Spirit does not condemn. Now, the Holy Spirit will rebuke or correct out of love, but the Holy Spirit never condemns. You need to know that. The Holy Spirit never condemns. If you feel condemnation, that is not the Holy Spirit. That is the enemy. Now, if you feel conviction or feel rebuke or feel correction, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is given to strengthen fellow believers. And sometimes it is a public message in tongues. But if there is a public message in tongues given to the church, to fellow believers, there should always, there should always be an interpretation of the tongues. Do you hear me? There should always be an interpretation of the tongue. Because if you give out a message in tongues and there is no interpretation, no one is edified. No one is strengthened. No one is encouraged because we have no idea what you just said. We have no idea what the Holy Spirit just said. And so when they, sometimes the Holy Spirit will work in such a way that he wants to encourage and strengthen fellow believers. And he may use you to give a message in tongues. But when he uses you to give a message in tongues, you need to pray as well as the rest of the church. God, give us the interpretation. We want to know, we want to understand what you're saying. Because if it's just the Holy Spirit speaking and we can't comprehend what he's saying, it doesn't build us up. It doesn't edify us. It doesn't strengthen us. All we know is that we've heard the Holy Spirit, but we don't know what he said. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to encourage the body of Christ. Sometimes he wants to strengthen. And so he'll flow and operate through someone who is yielded, 
who has surrendered that part of their life to them, and they will allow them to speak. And I'm telling you, every time it happens, every time it happens, if it's truly of God, God in some way, some form, some fashion, begins to give the interpretation of what that message is. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Every time I've experienced this, being in this, let me, let me share something with you. God has never used me to give out a message in tongues. Never. Now, God's used my wife. God used Terry over there. God's used other people. But God has never used me to give out a message in tongues. Now, I speak in tongues. I pray in tongues. I probably speak in tongues more than you all, as Paul would say. Maybe not. I don't know. But there's a difference. When there is a message given to the body of Christ, to believers, that God wants to encourage and strengthen the fellowship of the believers, there will be a literally a holy hush. I mean, they're just, a baby won't even cry hardly. In fact, I don't ever recall hearing a baby cry when the Holy Spirit is just kind of settled in and began to speak to someone. Now, unbelievers, you know, you kind of think, mm, I don't know about this. And I would be the same way. These are I don't know about that church. They're they weird. They speak in a language I ain't never heard of. But all of a sudden, someone begins to interpret after the message is given. And it's always a message of comfort, strengthening, and sweet fellowship, encouragement. God sometimes will do that in a public setting in a church setting, for fellow believers to be strengthened and encouraged, okay? So don't, don't, don't panic, you know. And, and, and if you read first chapter 14, I don't have time to go into that. And if you read chapter 14, Paul makes it clear that it should be done in a very orderly manner, that only one should speak, maybe two, three at the very most, and there needs to be an interpretation or they need to be quiet. That's scripture. That's not Randy. That's scripture, okay? So you see the two public forms, public forms of expression of tongues. Now let's go to the private. And go to the private. Chapter 14, verse 4, there's a private expression of tongues. He who speaks in a tongue, get this, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Sometimes God wants to build you up. God wants to communicate with you, wants to communicate with your spirit that's within you. And sometimes God, there'll be times in my life, and they're always private, they're always personal, they're not, they're not where everybody else can hear me, they're not where everybody else can see me, it's always private, where sometimes I don't even know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit knows how to pray for me. The Holy Spirit knows how to pray through me. Have you ever had the unction, I just need to pray for someone? And God may bring that person to your mind and, and you're thinking, well, I don't even know what they need. I don't know how to pray. And so you just begin to pray and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just begins to kind of, he doesn't take over. 
But all of a sudden, he'll begin to manifest himself through you as you yield, as you surrender. He'll begin to manifest himself through you, and you'll begin to speak in an unknown tongue, a prayer language. Uh, you, you begin to speak in that tongue, and what the, the, the Spirit is doing, he is praying through you. He's praying through you, not just to edify you, not just to build you, well, to edify you and to build you up, but he's also praying through you to communicate to God. Now, hear me. In fact, if you look at the, the second private expression is to personally communicate with God. Notice 14 and 15, verses 14 and 15 of the 14th chapter. He said, for if I pray in a tongue, hear this, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. If I pray in a tongue, uh, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Now, in other words, I'm going to tell you, there's been times, now let me tell you a story. This happened in my home. My wife, now my wife is a sound sleeper when she gets to sleep, and you don't want to wake her up. That's the reason I get up and go to the living room when I wake up during the middle of the night and turn the TV on, because I do not want to wake her up. I'm just saying, I've learned after 40 years of marriage, I've learned, get up, Randy, and go into the living room. Because if you turn the TV on, she's going to wake up, and you're not going to like that side of her. Just saying. One night, I'm laying in the bed. I'm sound asleep. I'm sound asleep. My wife is sound asleep. And all of a sudden, she wakes up, and she is praying in the Spirit. And I'm thinking, what in the world is she doing? And she ain't just, oh, Jesus, I want you to start somebody. And she just, I mean, she is praying in the spirit. And I know it's a spirit because, first of all, it's in the middle of the night and she's sound asleep. But she wakes up and she begins to pray in the spirit. And as she's praying in the spirit, she has no idea what she is praying for. She has no idea. The only thing she knows is that her sister is heavy on her heart. Her sister is heavy on her heart. And she wakes up praying in the spirit. And she has no clue what she is praying for, how she is praying or what. She is very unfruitful in her mind. Because she doesn't know what she's praying for. But she's praying and I'm... I'm staying on my side of the bed and just listening. And this goes on for a little while. You see, there are things in people's lives that you don't know about that the Holy Spirit knows. And the Holy Spirit wants to use you to talk to God, to communicate to God about the need that is going on in their life. I'm not going to tell you the story, but my sister-in-law was in a very dangerous situation at that moment. Very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. Her life was on the line. And she knew it. She says, if I don't get out of here, I'm dead. And it was at that moment that the Holy Spirit began to speak and pray. You see... Kim had no idea what was going on. 
Kim had no idea what it was about, but the Spirit did. And the Spirit said, I need you. I need you. I need to use you to speak to my heavenly, your heavenly Father in behalf of your sister. Do you know the Scripture says, I look for a man? I look for a man in in Ezekiel. I look for a man, and because I found no man, I had to pass judgment. Ezekiel, you you look it up, Ezekiel. I look for a man. I look for a man to intercede. I look for a man to make intercession. I look for a man that would intercede to the Heavenly Father, and I could find no man. So because there was no man to intercede, I had to allow judgment to take place. Do you know there's times that God wants to save, God wants to save, God wants to deliver, God wants to heal, and and you have no idea what's going on, you have no idea what the situation is, but all of a sudden the Spirit of God, God Himself knows, and I need to find someone, I need to find someone that will intercede, that will allow me to pray through them, and speak through them to the Heavenly Father, to the Heavenly Father, so that they can, God can intercede. It was a private communication with God. You see, there are times in our lives we don't even know how to pray. And we don't know what to pray for. And during these times that we don't know how to pray and what to pray for, we need to find a closet. And we need to pray, say, Holy Spirit, would you use me to pray through me? God may bring someone to your mind halfway around the world and God is interceding using you to intercede the Holy Spirit knows the mind and the heart of God he knows all things and so it's a private expression of you communicating with God let me read on there and just read this I want you to notice this for I pray if I pray in the tongue if I pray in a tongue my spirit prays but my mind is not fruitful and my, my mind is unfruitful so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I also will pray with my mind. I will pray with my spirit, the spirit that's within me, but I also will pray with my mind. I will pray with my intellect. You see, you pray both ways. You pray with your intellect, your mind, your understanding, But there's times that you just don't know what to pray for or even how to pray that you pray in the spirit with your spirit. But I will, he says, I will sing with my spirit, but I also will sing with my mind. You know, when we worship the Lord and we worship the Lord corporately together, we're singing with our minds. I'm going to tell you, there's times that we will be worshiping the Lord. And as we're worshiping the Lord, I'm up here on the front pew and I sing loud. My, my wife tells me, not so loud because you can't, the, the praise team can't, they can't hear their ears because they're hearing you. She'll tell me, I got so tickled a couple of weeks ago, we was at Brunswick and and I was on the front row, and we don't have the live band. that We have a band. Well, we have one guitar player there, and, and that's all. And, and, uh, and she said, Randy, I'm not trying to be critical of you, but you need to tone it down a little bit during church because they're trying to lead us, and you're so loud that they can't, they can't hear themselves. Okay, I got it. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's times that I'm singing here, and I sing loud. I know it. I make a joyful noise. But there's times that I'm singing 
And it's the Holy Spirit singing through me. Now, I'm going to tell you, you don't ever hear me do that, do you? You don't hear me. You don't hear me do that. It's the Spirit singing through me. It's not important for you to hear me singing the Spirit. It's more important for you to hear me singing with an intelligent conversation, with intelligent words. I mean, what if I put up here on the board, I put everything in Chinese? Not a one of you could understand a word I was saying and what the priest team was saying if they were speaking in Chinese, unless you spoke Chinese. So there's times that you need to sing and pray with your mind, with understanding, with intellect. And there's times that you don't know how to pray. But you know you need to pray. And the Spirit knows how to pray for you and through you. And that's a private expression. There's a public expression of tongues, and there's a private expression of tongues. And notice what Paul says. He goes on to say, if you are praising God with your spirit, how can one who finds himself among those who do not understand say amen to your thanksgiving since he does not know what you're saying? You may be giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants. But in your thinking, be adults. You see, I want you to say, understand, there is a place for tongues. It is a gift of the Spirit that God desires to manifest through you at maybe even any given moment or time. But when it's public, when it's public, understand it's going to be to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's going to be to edify fellow believers. And it's going to be done with order and without confusion. If it causes confusion, it is not of God. Because God is not an author of confusion. Now, I I say that. You see, I want the gift of tongues to operate. I want you to have or allow the gift of tongues to operate. I don't want you to be afraid of it. I don't want you to be uh, scared of that. I, I, I don't want that at all. I want you to be comfortable with it. Now, God, hear me, hear me. If you don't ever want to be used to speak in the tongues, God is not going to do it. He's not going to come up to Tony and grab him by the head and pull out his tongue and say, this is what you're going to say. He's not going to do that. He's not going to make you do anything. He's not possessive. But if you desire to be used of God, even in the gift of tongues, the Bible says, then ask for it. Pray for it. Desire. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. But remember, the gift is really not for your benefit. It's to glorify Jesus and to build up and strengthen 
and encourage fellow believers. Understand that. You see, I long for the day when this church is manifesting. The Spirit of God is so, we're not, we already got the Spirit. But we are so surrendered every part of our life that at any even given moment, come here, Justin. I love this brother. At any given moment, boy, you slow. <laughs> He's a football coach. He ought to be up and going. I long for the day when Justin, at any given moment, He's on that football field. And the Spirit of God moves upon him, not to control him, but to manifest himself through Justin. Justin is full of the Holy Spirit because he has a relationship with Jesus. And at any given moment, at any given time, maybe there's a kid on the field that just got hurt. And the Holy Spirit just moves on him. And he reaches up and just touches that young man on the knee. Touches that young man on the shoulder and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray healing for this young man. And all of a sudden, healing takes place in that body instantly. And you know what? All of a sudden, there's a testimony. There's a testimony. Do you see what Jesus just did for him? This same Jesus, this same God that raised Jesus from the dead is living in me, and he just raised this guy from the dead. <laughs> Not literally, but physically. He healed him. Why would not? Why would Justin not want to be used by God to glorify his Savior's name? Why? I think Justin, I, I believe with all my heart, Justin wants to be used that way. Then all we've got to do is learn to surrender. Lord, if you want to use me, it's okay. It's okay. He's a coach. He's a coach. But what about you? What if you're on the base somewhere and the Holy Spirit, you see a need, you see a broken-hearted person and all of a sudden you distinguish in your spirit, oh, this person's been abused, this person's been hurt. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit says, go up to the chariot. Go up to the person. Thank you, Justin. Go up to that person. Just go up to them. You don't, and you're thinking, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't know what I'm going to do. You just go up to them. And the moment you go up to them, the Holy Spirit just begins to move through you. And you begin to speak some intelligible words. Some words from your mind that the Holy Spirit, that you never thought you would say, you would share. And all of a sudden, that person just begins to weep and cry. And all of a sudden, their brokenness is healed. Let me ask you, who would not want to be used by that? I want to be used that way. I want to be used that way. And see, this is what the Holy Spirit is all about. It's to manifest himself through you to glorify the name of Jesus and to minister, to help, to comfort, and be a blessing to others. You see, I want that. I want to be a part of that kind of church. 
where you and I literally become the hands. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall get well. He didn't say the pastor. In fact, in fact, if you study Ephesians, the fifth, fourth chapter of Ephesians, you'll find that my place, my place, oh, hear me, my place as a pastor is to equip you, to equip you to go out into the world, to go out on your jobs, to go out there so the Spirit can manifest Himself through you. I don't get any glory. God gets it all. And God just uses me to equip you so he can use you in a powerful way. Why would you not want to be a part of that? I'd like for you to stand. Derek, would you come? We're going to sing this song in closing. And I'm going to give an invitation. First of all, I'm going to give an invitation that if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want you to know Jesus loves you. That your heavenly Father loves you and wants to have fellowship with you. Wants a relationship with you. Wants to wash away every sin and stain of your life away. And all you have to do to have fellowship with Jesus is invite. In fact, he's already given you the invitation. You don't even invite. You just respond. Lord, I want you to come in to forgive me of all my sin and make me whole again. And when you ask Jesus to do that, immediately Jesus comes in and makes you into a brand new creation where you have fellowship with your Heavenly Father. I want to give you that invitation today to know Jesus. Study the life of Jesus. And as you study the life of Jesus, you will absolutely fall in love with who he is and what he's about. And second of all, I want to give the invitation. He tells us, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I want you to have a hunger and a thirst. God, I want you to demonstrate your spiritual gift through me. Not so that I can benefit but so that your name will be glorified and the fellow believers and unbelievers will benefit from that gift manifesting through me. I mean, who would not want that? And he says, if you want it, all you got to do is desire it. Ask for it. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. All you've got to do is ask. And he goes on to tell us, I mean, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Spirit to manifest through your life, to glorify His name, to meet the need of someone, to be His hands and to be His feet, to be His spokesperson. So I want to invite you today that as we're singing this song, and we're singing Holy Spirit. No. Help me. Help me with the words. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You're welcome. And you say, well, we already have the Holy Spirit. What are we doing? You see, why do we sing songs like Come Holy Spirit if the Spirit is already within us? 
We are simply confessing our need for God to be with us. I'm confessing. You, when I sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place, I'm confessing. He's here. I'm confessing my need, my need for God to be within me, to be with me. That's all I'm doing. And so I want us as a church today to make this public confession. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. I'm confessing I have a need for you to be within me. I have a need. I have a need. I have a need. I want to be acutely aware, keenly aware of your presence that's already within me today. So we're going to sing. And if this, and this altar's open, if you want to come and you might want to kneel or you may want to stand, you may want to lift your hands, whatever you're comfortable with. Why don't you just ask the Holy Spirit, would you come in and would you, God, would you help me? You're here. You're within me. You're within me. Lord, would you make me more aware of your presence? Would you make me acutely aware of your manifestations? Would you make me aware of what you want to do through me so that I can just allow you to speak, manifest, work, however you choose? Would you do that today? This altar is open as we're singing this song. I give you the invitation to come. Sing it there. There's nothing worth more that will ever come. Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.